morning. Hello. Hi. How are you? It's wonderful to have you here in the house of the Lord. See all your smiling faces. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for being here. Welcome. Welcome to those on live stream and social media. Uh, if you can join us in person, it'd be awesome, but welcome. Uh, welcome. Uh, we're in the house of the Lord. And uh, if you uh, didn't know, this is a house of miracles. House of miracles. So uh, it's a miracle that I'm going to do these announcements. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, we do have uh, a prayer team who will come around with prayer cards. We pray first and only believe because we know there is power in prayer. And we've received a bunch of amazing evidence and testimonies. Uh, we're in 21 days of prayer right now, and we're receiving a bunch of testimonies from prayer. So if you need a prayer card, raise your hand, and they'll bring it around to you. Um, they'll be back to collect them once you're done. I have a few announcements here. If you're a first-time guest, we'd love to get to know you. There's a Connect card in the back of the pew in front of you. You can fill it out manually, or you can scan the QR code if you're technologically savvy, like me, uh, and you can fill it out electronically. Um, small group sign-ups are live and um, you better hurry because one group is already full I tried to get into it and I was like nope it's closed so I encourage you to go to small groups and sign up they are an amazing way to get to know your fellow uh, the, the folks that come to church here and it's an amazing way to learn um, and grow and be touched and just have amazing experiences so get into a small group, I highly recommend that you do so. If you need any information on small groups, the Welcome Center is right out there as you come in, that little octagon. I think it's an octagon. Anyway, I'll call it an octagon. But go to the Welcome Center, and they have all the information on small groups. Um, there is a, my phone has decided not to cooperate. There's a men's breakfast, I'm sorry, there's a men's breakfast on February 10th. And you should come to the men's breakfast on February 10th at 8 a.m. If you're a man, if you're a lady, please don't come. But if you're a man, please join us uh, for this men's breakfast. They are amazing. They, uh, their opportunities to get to fellowship with, with, with the guys that uh, come to church here, get to learn from them, get to hear a devotional, and really cool, you get to eat a lot of good food. So um, that's February 10th. Welcome Center has information on that as well. And finally, um, this is the cool thing. Love Your Marriage Seminar is coming up on Friday, February 23rd. And I don't have a time here, and I don't know what time it is. I apologize. But the Welcome Center does. Um, and it's uh, Annie and I have attended uh, those, those, uh, those sessions uh, every year they've had them. I've invited people who I work with who come and say, they're, the, they're amazing, and they're going to come back this year. So uh, come to that. It's, uh, it's a great opportunity to, to put, some, uh, put some special time into your marriage. February 23rd. Okay. And the coolest part of being here in the morning on Sunday and on Wednesday evening is we get to praise the Lord, and we get to worship. And... Um, you know, I was, I was thinking about what I would say this morning, and uh, I came to 1 John, 
And I won't read the whole thing, but 1 John's really cool because it says, John wrote, um, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, the word of life. That which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you. Stand to your feet if you would. This morning, if, um, if you've been here five minutes, you know this church is about Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He went to the cross. He shed his blood for us. And he was placed in a, a tomb. And on the third day, he rose again. And he was seen by hundreds. He was seen by hundreds. And we see him through his living word. And so my question this morning for you as we get ready to worship is, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? hear thunder something stirring six feet under dead things coming back to life again i believe there's about to be another resurrection and i see signs and i see wonder Again, I believe there's about to be another resurrection. You come alive, wake up, sleeper. He is risen. We If you 
see what I see that the grave is empty then you know what I know anything is possible if you see what I see that the grave is empty then you know what I know anything is possible if you see what I see Oh! 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. There is freedom in Jesus, amen? Amen, there is. It's time for communion. We do this once, twice a month, sometimes more. But you know, Jesus is the one who set up communion. And it's not supposed to be some religious act that we just do as Christians just to mark it off our list. It means way, way more than that. Amen? I mean, Jesus set communion up before he was crucified. He ate dinner. I don't know what he had. With the last, at the last supper is what they call it, with 12 disciples. Now, I don't know about you, but knowing what I was getting ready to go through in that situation, ain't no way I could have ate. I don't know if you get ready to go for a job interview or uh, take a trip or have to speak somewhere. I mean, you know, I even get nervous. I don't want to eat doing that, let alone knowing what Jesus knew as he ate for the last time with his 12 disciples. So all communion is for us, it's a tangible way to remind us of what Jesus was getting ready to do for us on that cross, taking our place. Remember the Bible said that he was, he didn't even look like a human when they were done with him. Unrecognizable as a human being. It's just hard to, hard to put into words. And yet he set all this up before he was crucified. And so today, don't make this a religious act at all. But as, as you take the cup, as you drink, as you eat the bread, ask yourself today, have, have I honored God this week? Have I honored him this month in my relationship, in my walk? Or have I dishonored him in some way? And what I mean by that is, you see, when we're a Christian, we say, I love God. I'm on his side. I've asked him to come into my heart, be my savior. I've changed. I've did a 180 from my old life to my new life. He's helped me. I'm a Christian. I'm on his team. So therefore, I'm going to act like it. I'm going to live like it. I'm going to walk like it, and I'm going to talk like it. So if somehow, some way, we've failed, we've messed up, we've dishonored him, You've kind of messed your reputation up as a Christian and brought shame to him and what he did on the cross. Just fix it. Simply fix it. That's what the bloodshed is for. For the remission of our sins. Those our sins was as scarlet when we ask for repentance and change and turn, they become white as snow. And he forgets them and throws them as far as the east is to the west. So as you come up, anytime during our praise and worship, you want to come up with your family or bring your family back, just come up and just reflect on that. And also, if, if you're feeling, I don't know, weird, your body's acting up, you're hurting, you got pain somewhere, when you come up and take that bread, remember he said this body was broken for you. It was shred to pieces. So you could have healing in your body. So thank him when you take that bread this morning. That I am healed. I am set free. I am delivered. Not just physically, but mentally also. If you're struggling, take it and believe. And God's healing will come upon you. And his mercy and grace will forgive you. You believe that this morning? That's what it's for. That's what it's for.
So then the Bible says that the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and said, this is my broken, shredded body for you, for your healing. As often as you eat it, remember me, remember what I'd done. Remember that I was unrecognizable for you. I took your place. It was supposed to be you that was shredded. It was supposed to be you that looked unrecognizable because of your sin. But I, while you were yet sinners, took your place because I love you that much. Who else loves you that much in here? Nobody. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant sealed in my blood. As often as you drink it, you proclaim my death till I come. He's coming back, folks. No matter what the world says, no matter what everybody else says, he's coming back and he's looking for a bride who's spotless without blemish. Do these things in remembrance of me. Now, Father, we come before you today and we do remember. We do take communion, God, and we thank you for what you've done for us. Wow, the price that you paid. You didn't want to do it. You asked God if there was another way. Please make it. But nonetheless, I'm sold out to you. I'm sold out to these people, my children. I'm sold out to them, and I'm going to do this for them. But I want them to remember what I've done for them and not forget the torture and the pain that it caused me so they could be free from the devil's grip and the devil's hold, so they could be free and have a relationship with me, so they could be free and have an eternity with me again. God, we don't forget. It's not just a religious act, but we thank you from the bottom of our heart. It's all we can give you is our thanks, and we thank you for freedom that you've brought to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Feel the room. 
over this place this morning. Let's lift our hands and surrender. Oh, Holy Spirit, have your way today. Come and do what only you can do. What only you can do. What only your presence can do. Heal what only you can heal. Today, God, we're here in surrender. Our arms are raised in surrender for you to say, have your way, have your way, have your way. Come on, speak out to the Lord this morning. Speak out to the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you. You have your way. Have your way in this place, Lord. Lord, we're here to lift your name on high this morning. We call you home. For have I not said that this is a time and a season of new beginnings, says the Lord. For have I not said that I am doing a new thing within thee, says the Lord. Have I not said that I am faithful to do that which I said I will do, I am faithful to perform it, says the Lord. Yet you question in your hearts whether this was me or that was me, but I am in this thing, says the Lord. I am drawing people nigh, says the Lord. Do not question, says the Lord, for I have spoken. I have placed these leaders over this house, says the Lord, and I have ordained it before the foundations of the earth, says the Lord, before time ever even was spoken. I ordained this time and this season, says the Lord, and I say to you today, my people, dig your roots down deep, saith the Lord, like a tree. When it digs its roots down deep and the winds come and the winds blow, it cannot be shaken, says the Lord, because it's dug down deep. And I say unto thee today, my people, hear my voice. Dig your roots down deep. Put your hand to the plow and back those that I have placed over this house, saith the Lord. For there is a time of growth coming. There is a new generation that I desire to raise up within this house, saith the Lord. For my promises have not been lack. My promises have not been forgotten, saith the Lord. For I am not a man that I would slumber nor sleep, saith the Lord, but I shall be faithful to perform those things which I said that I would do. And I tell thee 
today to put on blinders and look not to the left, look not to the right, said the Lord, but keep your eyes focused upon me. Do not look at those around you. Do not listen to those around you. But I say, stay focused upon me, said the Lord, for I have not forgotten my promises concerning this house. This is my house and this is my church and I shall be faithful to do that which I have spoken, saith the Lord. Say yes or no or wait, you 
Sing that again. In the blessing and in the pain. In the blessing and in the pain, you are worthy. Whether you say yes you say or, no, yes or, no, or no or wait, you are worthy. Through it all. And through it all, I choose to say, you are worthy. I'll never stop singing your praise. I'll never stop singing your praise. From you are 
what you've done for us and lord we just we just praise you right now hallelujah well it's my privilege and pleasure to be able to talk to you just a few moments about corporate prayer this morning this is day 15 day 15 of our corporate prayer and we're getting so many amazing testimonies and just victories that we're hearing from and we give god praise for that right amen amen so today we're going to be praying just for a few moments i'm not going to be up here long we're going to pray for, for salvations both here in America and abroad. And uh, speaking abroad, I just had the privilege of, of, of coming back from the Philippines. And just to give you a quick testimony and quick prayer support, we had the privilege of seeing 10,291 people come to Christ in the Philippines last week. Amen? He's worthy. He's worthy. Amen? Amazing miracles took place. Hundreds of pastors were impacted. Pastor Rick did an amazing job, as well as many other sons of the faith. You will be proud. I know Pastor was up in heaven cheering us on as we were in the Philippines winning souls. I just want to remind you as we begin to, be, begin to get into corporate prayer right now, Deuteronomy 32.30 says this, that one can chase a thousand, but two can put ten thousand to flight. You have power. You know, the devil tries to get in your head, tries to get in your heart, saying you can't do anything. He says you're weak. You can't, you can't amount to anything. It's a lie. I like to remind the devil on a regular basis that he's defeated. I like to remind the devil that he's under my feet every single day. You know why? Because he is. 
We as Christians have power, and I don't think we oftentimes take that authority that we're supposed to be taking. Because God's anointed all of us and equipped all of us, not just Pastor Nicole, Pastor Randy, Pastor Rick, Pastor Tim, Pastor Kyle, and others. He's equipped all of us, all of us. So we should go boldly to the throne of God, believing for great things to happen. We don't go timidly before the Lord. We go boldly as if we're going into battle, knowing the devil is going down when we pray a prayer. Amen? And so I want to encourage this morning as we, as we, if you would, if you would just stand for a few minutes here. I know we've been praying or standing for praise and worship. But let's agree right now for the, for the United States of America to come back to Christ. Can we do that? Can we pray for a few minutes that America will be saved? Amen? Father, I just thank you right now, Lord God, as we come before you, Lord, we just lift you up. And we thank you, Lord, that nothing is impossible for you. Lord, we lift America to you right now. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you're stirring people's hearts, Lord God, to come back to you. Lord, you're stirring people to have a revelation experience that you are Lord, that you are God. You love them. You care for them. That you sent your son to die on a cross that our sins could be forgiven. Lord, I thank you, God, for salvations within our families. Lord, your promises, Lord God, that, that, that none should perish, but all would come to everlasting knowledge of you. Father, I thank you that promise is for us, it's for now, it's for today, that our households shall be saved in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, God, that the people that we work with, the co-workers, our neighbors, Lord, I thank you that their hearts are going to be open to receive, their ears will be open to hear, as we have a step of faith and are bold in proclaiming you that, Lord, they are going to come to a saving and loving knowledge of Jesus Christ, being their Savior, being their Lord. Father, I thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for the soul-winning culture you are creating in this church. Father, I thank you, God. You're going to let your light shine through us, God, that you be lifted up, that you be glorified, and we're going to see people come to Christ. Father, I thank you, God that America will be saved. I thank you that our, our, our leaders in churches, as well as in our state houses, as well as in the federal houses, Lord God, Father, I thank you that you are going to stir them, that you're going to direct them, and that, Lord, I thank you that you're going to lead them to come to a saving knowledge of you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God. Although it might look dark outside, Lord, the light shines the brightest when it's darkest out. Father, I thank you that you're going to impact America in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray right now, as we lift the nations of the world to you right now, Lord, the fields are truly wide unto harvest. And Lord, I thank you, God, for sending people like ourselves and others into that harvest field, that Lord, we can be your witnesses, that we can show the love of Christ to a world that's dying and going to hell. Father, I thank you for salvations around the world. I thank you, God, that people were going to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that 2024 will not be like 2023, that, Lord, we're going to see greater increase. We're going to see greater anointing. We're going to see lives changed. We're going to see souls saved in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Well, thank you for praying corporately with us. And I just encourage you, it's done. It's done. All right. Let's not worry about it. It's done. Our households will be saved. This nation will be impacted and the world will be touched with the light of the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. 
All right, well, I think I came out of that crusade anointing there, so praise the Lord. All right, so listen, it's my privilege also to receive our tithes and offerings this morning. If you need a tithe and offering envelope, as always, our great ushers will be willing to assist you. Or you can simply reach in front of you, grab an envelope out of the pew in front of you. Or, as always, it's very easy to give electronically. If you can, I'm sure we'll put our QR code behind me right now. Point your phone at that. That's the way I give. It's the quickest way to give. And uh, we just want to say thank you for those here in the house and those watching us online. Obviously, the only way you can give online is by clicking that QR code. But you know what? The Bible says is simply, the quicker we get the seed in the ground, the quicker the harvest comes in. So I encourage you, make 2024 different than 2023. For those of you who have been faithful tithers, we want to say thank you. Not only do we say thank you, but the world says thank you. Because without you, we couldn't do it. Amen? I want to read a scripture to you. As I was praying about this. This may not tie into giving that much, but as I was praying about this, of course, be mindful, Brother Eric just came off the missions field. So it's Matthew eleven twenty eight. Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says simply like this: Come unto me, those who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, I had the privilege of serving Pastor Dosick for over twenty years as we took the gospel around the world. We had the privilege of seeing millions upon millions of lives come to Christ. Over 8 million that we can count, probably double or triple that that we don't realize. But think about that, church. That many people were impacted by one man. But you know what? That one man and that individual that traveled with him couldn't have done it without people like yourself that were praying, that were supporting us financially. You know, I, I, I loved Pastor Dosick in such a way like a father, but what I loved about him was his passion. He had, he had strong resolutes, didn't he? I think we all heard that more than once from his pulpit. But, you know, he loved winning souls. He loved impacting the world for the gospel. He loved Matthew 28, 18, which said simply this, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, there's many different cultures, many backgrounds, many different economic statuses in the world today. And it's hard to believe that over 2 billion people in the world today still live on less than a dollar a day. Less than a dollar a day. Think about that. But there was one common denominator that Pastor Dosick and I love so much about that, that you know what, there wasn't, it doesn't make a difference what economic status you came from. doesn't make a difference what country you're born into. doesn't make a difference what parents you have. The common denominator is, was simply this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ can change your life no matter where you are and where you come from. That is the beauty of the gospel, that God's not a respected person. It's not his will that any should perish, but all will come to everlasting knowledge of you. And before Pastor went to heaven on October 12th, the week prior to that, I had the privilege of talking to him. And I said, Pastor, this is one of our greatest years ever. We had the ability to see 1,257,000 people make decisions for Christ in the last 12 months prior to his death. Think about that. Think about that, church. And I want to encourage you, church, when you give today, when you give tithes and you give offerings today, you are impacting not just our, our, our city, our region, our state, our nation. You are truly impacting the world. I, I don't want you to lose sight of that, that you are touching people that you'll never meet on this earth. But when you get to heaven someday, I guarantee you tens of millions are going to flood to your door and knock on it and say, hey, thank you for what you've done. You might say, what in the world did I do? You sent Pastor Peter Dosek and Brother Eric and others around the world because of your giving. So when you give today, don't let the devil say, oh, it's just, ah, that, that's not going to work. Just the opposite. 
I want to remind you that your seed has power. Your words have power. There's life and death in the power of our tongue. I encourage you to proclaim that the gospel today through the seed that we're going to sow, the tithes we're going to give, will change this nation and the world. Amen? One last thing. 1 Corinthians 3.13 says it this way. That we're all going to stand before God and give an account for everything that we've done and everything that we gave. What wasn't of God is going to be burned away, and what was of God is going to remain. Church, I want to encourage you, only what Christ does, only what we can do for Christ will last. Let's give this morning knowing that God is going to do great things with us and through us, and through the seed and the tithe we're giving, God is going to impact this nation and the world. Amen? Can you agree with that with me? Father, I thank you, God, for this time that we have, the privilege we have to sow into your kingdom. And, Father, I thank you, God, that, Lord, as, as the seed is being put in the ground, Father, I thank you as your promises tell us that it's going to be given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, running over, that you're going to open up the windows of hell upon our, our lives, upon our businesses, upon our families, because your promises. Malachi 3.10. And then, Father, you are going to, you're going to destroy the devourer for our sake because we're faithful tithers. Lord, we thank you for souls. We thank you for millions of souls. And we give you praise for it. And everyone said, amen. Let's bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord this morning. there used to be a generation that had to go through all these traditions to feel the presence of the living God. But you and I just get to walk around with him every day. Just walk around with his goodness inside of us, his goodness talking to us, his goodness loving on us, his goodness comforting us. Praise the Lord we were born for such a time as this. Amen? Woo! We had to rub ashes on ourselves and wear sackcloth. And thank the Lord for the woman that looked over at the man in the field and said, how come he gets to wear pants and I don't? I'm just saying, all you women out there, say thank you, Jesus. Woo! Can you imagine riding a donkey side, side, side wide? I like it the other way. All right, let's pray. Why do we pray so much? Because we pray first. We do nothing in our life without praying. You know, I, my grandmother, God love her soul, she's not with us anymore, but she would say, every time I'd say, okay, Grandma, well, let's go to the grocery. If I was at the house in West Virginia, I'd say, are we going to go to the grocery today? And she'd say, well, honey, if it be the Lord's will. Everything was the Lord's will. I'm like, it's the Lord's will because I'm hungry. Let's go. She prayed about everything is my point. She always wanted to make sure that her will was submitted before his all the time. 
even as much as something so insignificant to you and I as going to the grocery because she didn't want to get killed by a coal truck on the way. You understand what I'm saying? And she was okay if we were five minutes late because that meant God saved us from the coal truck five minutes earlier. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you and Lord, we submit ourselves to you today. Father, we submit ourselves, Father, as teachers and leaders and pastors, but Father, as congregation members, as sheep, learning to hear the voice of the Lord and willing to be equipped in our Christianity to go into the world to preach the gospel and to live this life, not just in our households, but in our jobs, in our schools, and in this world. Now, Father, I thank you that you would let the word come out of my mouth, Father, go into the hearts of men and women, Father. But you said in, the, in Jeremiah that it would be like a hammer and it would reverberate throughout a man and woman's life. Now, Father, just break up the fallow ground in our hearts. Break up traditional thoughts that we've had of our past. And, Father, reinstitute the true living word of God where man's traditions have replaced them with religion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I don't know why I'm praying that, but I prayed it for someone. Today we're going to continue our series on prayer. Last week we learned that what prayer was, what it wasn't, why it's important, and that it's simply just giving our attention to God in a two-way spiritual relationship. Two ways. It's not just a time where you get to dump all of your stuff on God, but it's a time where he gets to learn us. It's a time where he gets to speak to us, maybe correct us, direct us, give us instruction, maybe just commune with us. Tell you how beautiful you are. Tell you what he loves about you. Tell you what he made you to be and what you're to do with what he made you. And how you're supposed to operate in that. It's a beautiful thing and it's not to be taken lightly. But it's how you and I begin to know God. Know God. I'd like some of you that are married out there to identify how much intimacy would you have with your wife or your husband if you never spoke to them? How much do your parents think your teenage children would listen when struggle came to their life if the only time you ever spoke to them was when you wanted to correct or yell at them? Wouldn't work, would it? Because that's not a relationship. That's a one-way street. Jesus is looking for a two-way street with you and I. And God's, I'm here, let me hear what you got to say. He is the Father. And he's looking for relationship. So today I want to talk about how we approach our Father in prayer. How we approach. It's, it's very simple, actually. But there's a lot to it. So let's go to Matthew, the 18th chapter. We're going to read 1 through 4. It says... At the time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who, then, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you that unless you change and become like children, you will never in enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Wow. Now, we've heard this before. I actually thought that the Bible said childlike faith. But when I began to read the different 
different versions of the Bible. I'm like, no, it's got to be here. It's got, I looked, I searched for the word childlike faith. The interpretation of man has taken it on that if you become like a child in your faith, yes, I believe that. But this is saying a lowly position. This is saying that if you don't become like a child and change the way you see things about your sins and ask God to forgive you, that you're never going to come into the place of the kingdom. But it also talks later when we're going to get into prayer that if you don't take the position as a child in your mind in prayer that you're not going to learn how it works. And here's what I want to talk to you about, is that when we become free of our sin, we become blameless and innocent. How many children do you know that walk around with their heads down like this because of what they've done? Now, I'm going to tell you, my kids just blatantly, I got one of them that could bite you like that and walk away and go, and I don't feel sorry for it. I had a hair puller. She'd walk right in that nursery and just grab that girl's hair and rip it out like that. And they'd go, Lexi, don't do that. She never once felt guilty for pulling that hair. Never once. She never walked with her head down like this and shamed because she did something wrong. She just, when she was corrected, they said, don't do it again. She'd not do it for a little bit. And then she'd fall right back into the same routine as soon as that girl took the pink block instead of the blue one. <sighs> Take the pink block and let her stand up. She was quite the little, little girl right there. But here's what I remind you. I think of children are eager to learn. They're sponges, right? They're eager to learn. They're eager to walk around and to soak it up. Do you know a child asks 73, a minimum of 73 questions a day? How many questions do we walk around and ask God? Do we ask, do we search the scriptures to say, God, what do you think about this? See, because this is the relationship he's looking for. Child's, children are dependent upon their parent. They're dependent upon their caregiver. They're expecting them to lead and guide them. And children trust almost sometimes at the point of their own demise that they can be manipulated and trust taught to trust something that they shouldn't be trusting in. I remember Alexis, when she was little, we had a little stand-up pool, and the deck went around one side of it. And at first, it was like dragging her into the water. She was so scared that her dad wasn't going to catch her, right? And Randy was there. Oh, but by the end of the day, she was as bold as that she's running around the deck going, Dad! And jumping, and he's like, Whoa! And thank the Lord it was only like a 10-foot wide pool or Randy would have never been able to get to her in time. But look at the development of the trust. Are we like that with Christ? Or are we standing on the edge of the pool because we don't want to trust him? It will, no, because I don't believe you're going to catch me. If I pray this dangerous prayer, you're not going to answer it. Maybe it's too big. Maybe you think the prayer that you're waiting on is too big. Or, quite frankly that you're not innocent, so you're not worthy of him to answer your prayer. But see, a child has an innocent mind. They don't remember what they did 30 seconds ago. Once they're corrected and it's over, it's over. In fact, almost that you wish they would remember. But think of a child, the older they get. You remember when they were younger, man? They could break something and they'd just walk away like they didn't even care they broke it. But the older they got, the conscience began to grow. And then they began to hide what they broke. You know, the toy, you know, you lift up the pillow and there's the broken toy because they didn't want to tell you. 
because they were fearful of what you were going to do when you told them you broke it, right? As teenagers, they start to hide and lie. Now they know they're doing, now they're conniving. And they're really like, oh yeah, mom, I'm going to be over there for the night. Yeah, they go there for 10 minutes of the night and then they're gone. And if it wasn't for our little tracking device, we wouldn't know where they were. <laughs> See, moms get smart. Say this with me. I am a child of God. Do you know that he cares about you and you belong to him? You belong to the Father. And I think sometimes we forget this, that we're not just simply sheep and a shepherd. This is my dad. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's been more real to me in the last three months than probably a lot of you. But the second you become husbandless or fatherless, you realize that he becomes the husband to the one who does not have one. And he is the almighty God, which is my father. I don't need one to fill the position of my father. I have a heavenly father. And when it says you want to bring him glory, it means, God, I want you to be proud of me. At the end of this day, at the end of this message, I want to know that I poured everything, everything that you gave me out to these people. Everything. And let it bring glory to you. Do you see? I don't want it to be caught up in an earthly man, but in a spiritual one, my father. Let's turn to 1 Peter, the third chapter, the 10th verse. I have a lot of scripture today. I think it runs in my family blood. And I don't think this one I gave to the media team. I think I forgot it. So follow with me if you could. 3, 10 through 12. Here's what it says. It says, whoever would live and see... Wait. Uh, yeah. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The second you and I become born, we are born the righteous children of God. No more is your wrong remembered, no matter how bad, no matter how grotesque, no matter what the season of your life was. And I can't tell you how many people that are often caught in condemnation and shame. And I remind them of Paul. If you haven't murdered anybody, I think you're all right. I'm going to be honest with you. And if you have murdered someone, then let Paul be your example that he did and God chose him. In fact, to write a majority of the, the New Testament. So here's what it is. We have to know that not only are we born righteous, but he watches us, he's looking at us, and he hears us. Did you hear that, church? He hears you. God hears you. 1 John, the first 1, 8 through 10, this is going to cross over into the second chapter because I think there's more than one little part here we need to read. It says... Look at this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he, he, that means God, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word is not in us. The bottom line is, every one of us in this room have all sinned and fallen short. There was only one who was sinless and one who was blameless, and that was Jesus. Okay, go on down to the second chapter. It says, my dear children. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I think where they put the number two in this chapter, maybe this verse should have went back up with the other ones. Because he's a continuing. He says, my dear children. By the way, let me remind you who children are. Those who are dependent on on God. Those who are eager to learn. And those who will trust and believe in his ability to answer, hear them, and catch them in their time of need. Amen. Alexis in the pool. Dear children, she's my child. She thought Randy could catch her every single moment of every single day. Thank God she's not jumping off of mountains right now when he's not around. I write this to you so that you will not sin. But, in other words, forget what I just said and come back to right where I'm talking now. If anybody does sin... We have an advocate with the Father. We have someone who's pleading our case before God Almighty. If you've sinned, and it's hyphen Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the only one who did not sin. You and I sinned. But he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but the sins of the whole world. So you and I are not righteous because we don't sin. I am righteous because Jesus, the advocate who goes to the Father in my stead, was. And he paid the price for all the evil that I have done and the evil that I might do after lunch. Come on, now I'm being honest with you. The evil that I might do in an argument later on this evening. Do you see? I'm not looking to sin. I'm not looking for that greasy grace. But I'm thankful that the grace of God is there, that if I don't meet the mark, that I can catch up, ask him to forgive me, and I don't have to be fearful of him not accepting me. I can literally show up tomorrow night at 6 o'clock prayer and at 5.59 dash my foot against a stone and let a cuss word slip out, which I wouldn't. That doesn't happen in my life. I'm going to be honest with you. Let a cuss word slip out and walk right in this sanctuary. Come right here and say, Lord, I am so sorry. I need you to purify that thought within me. My mind was not right. I let it slip out of my mouth and that was dirty speaking and I never want to do that again. Please help me that in my time of struggle that I would not fall prey to cussing again. And I'm going to come right down here and I'm going to pray for all your prayer requests. And you know what? God's going to hear me. He's going to see me and he's going to answer. But you and I sometimes walk around like the child. Oh, woe is me. God ain't going to hear me now. I messed up again. I done messed it up. I done just lost the Lord. No, pick him back up. Pick him back up. Take the separation right out. See, the second I repent, I walk away from it. I'm not looking back. I'm not living in my yesterday. I'm living in my tomorrow. And God says my tomorrow's great. God says he watches me. He's listening to me. And he said, don't you worry. I sent Jesus because I knew you were going to mess up. You see? 
But is it possible? Is it possible that our prayer life reflects this non-righteous attitude and atmosphere that we don't think we deserve anything from God because of where we've been? You know how many times I've heard people say, well, I thought if God was going to do it for anybody, he'd have done it for Pastor Dosick. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you, Pastor Dosick ain't no more of a child than this little blonde girl right here. And God's looking to bless me just like he blessed Pastor Dosick. He's not concerned about how many hours you spend in prayer. He's not concerned about how many times you draw nigh to the cross and repent. What he's here for is to say you are all my children and I don't treat any of you indifferently. I'm looking at the condition of your heart and I'm gonna tell you that Pastor Dosick didn't not get a miracle. Pastor Dosick is in heaven where he is living his best life. God didn't fail. God's hand was not too short that it did not deliver. God delivered him into an eternity which we all look and hope towards. Why do we think that that's a second class citizen if we didn't get it here on this earth? You're all gonna die. We're all dying right now in case nobody looked. I've got alligator skin that is beyond reason right here. You know what this is? This is death. This is death. My skin is dying every single day. And one day this heart is going to stop beating. And one day I'm going to meet my Savior. And when I do, my life is just beginning. Woo! Come on, but you got to remember... Remember what this life is about. It's just for a moment. You're just passing through. But we get so hung up on staying here and living our best life. I'm going to be honest with you. I want to do what God wants me to do and get out of this life. Let's move on. Let's go to Romans, the eighth chapter. I'm not going to get through this today. I'm going to tell you straight up. That's okay. We'll just stop where we stop and someone else will pick up. All right, Romans, by the way, Randy and I are going on vacation. Just thought I'd tell you. My mind's a little happy. That's probably the pep in my step. I'm just kidding. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, I felt the presence in this worship service today. And I love to feel his presence. But just so you know, even if I didn't feel it, I'd worship. Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to go on vacation for two weeks. Two weeks. Isn't that amazing? I'm excited about it. Rainy and I are working our way into our sunshine retirement. <laughs> Never. We're going on vacation. That's it. All right. Here we go. 8, 8, 15, and 16. Here's what it says. The spirit you received does not make you slaves. This word means put you in bondage so that you can live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received meaning through Jesus when you got saved, brought about your adoption to sonship. And when we cry, Abba, Father. Now, literally, some of you are going to get really crazy with me. This means daddy. Daddy. Do you know how intimate that word is? Daddy. You, know, you ever met those people? Like, my kids sometimes will call that. Hey, Nicole. I'm like, mm, no. No, it starts out mom, mama, mommy, whatever it is, and then it goes to bruh. 
Yeah, I feel like that sometimes in my house because they say I don't listen when they say mom. So they call me, hey, Nicole. I'm like, no, that don't work. That isn't intimate at all. You best call me mommy. I'm kidding. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, I want, this is sonship, church. This is sonship. And if the church could truly get the identity of who you are and understand the submittance of children to a parent, this is really simple. This is really simple. Do you want to reward a rebellious child or do you want to reward an obedient child? Then how much greater is the father above who gives us good gifts than the father on this earth it says that gives us bad, right? And my dad gave some good gifts. My dad was a good gift giver. Here's what I think of. In our church office as I grew up, we, I mean, literally, I was saved at six. I think we had the church at seven or eight. And I grew up in the church office. I grew up making copies. I grew up writing checks, getting water, filling mint bowls. You name it, I've done it in the church, literally. I took care of the children. That's probably why I didn't have children for a really long time in life, because they gave me trauma. <laughs> they broke every toy I had in my bedroom, every toy I had in my bedroom. And they messed all of my office supplies up. Some kids went to the toy store. I went to the office supply store to spend my allowance. Weird. Anyways, my father would often allow me to knock on his door no matter what time. In fact, I don't even know that sometimes I knocked on his door. And it became a joke amongst the office staff that they would give me a note that they needed answered before 11 o'clock because dad was in prayer and like, here, Nikki, you take it in. Because my dad was never going to reject me. It didn't matter if he was in a counseling session. I could enter that room and ask a question. See, the staff knew him as pastor, boss, some as friend. But I knew him as pastor, boss, friend, and father. Your father right in the kingdom gives you a right that the world does not have. But if you don't exercise the right and you never turn the handle and walk on into the throne room, you're never going to get your question answered. And I'm telling you that if I had had brothers and sisters, I'd have learned that the first one to dad gets the best answer. And if you're in a fight, then you get to the room first. Do you see? And you, sometimes we just allow those people around us just to step right in front of us. Because you want to know why? Your head's down, and you're not confident, and you think he's going to reject you for what you've done. When God's going, I'm not rejecting nobody. All you got to do is be connected back to me. Take the separation between you and I away, and I'm right there. I'm with you, and there's no time that you got to wait 30 hours before you can go back. The second you repent, it is done. The second you repent. But immediately the devil comes to remind you of what you've done. But remember this, God's forgiveness doesn't remind you of what you've done. God's forgiveness reminds you of what he did. What he did for you and for I. So that you and I can boldly approach and walk in and ask for what we have need of. Do we believe that really God accepts us 
the way we are. The way we are. Maybe there's something in your life you haven't changed for years. That's all right. Approach God where you are. God, I've been trying for years and I just don't know how to get over this hiccup. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get rid of it. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to submit myself to you. And I'm going to start reading in the word and I'm looking for every... And the reason I say looking in the word, because this is his will for your life. And some of us struggle, especially with condemnation, with shame and with guilt. You don't hear the voice of the Lord because you think he will not speak to you. This is his word speaking to you. Right here. Pick it up and read it. And if you don't know, go get someone who's mature in the faith. I guarantee if you look right next to you, there's somebody in an aisle next to you that can lead you through the scripture. And if not, you can just about Google it. I'm not kidding. Google has come a long way. A real long way. All right. Let's move on. Let's go down to uh, Hebrews, the fourth chapter, the 16th verse. And this is good because this is where I want to get to today. And I am going to make my time frame today. I just want everyone to know I'm working hard. Hebrews 4, 6, 4, 16. This is what it says. It says, and is it that you boast your arrogant... Nope, this is not where I'm at. I'm in James. That's why. Sorry. Too many tabs. 4.16. Here we go. This is much better. Hebrews... Yep, let me look at my notes. Gotcha. Okay, here we go. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Okay, did anyone hear the song we were singing today? I'm going to dance like the weight has lifted. I'm going to dance like the weight has lifted because grace has got me. What, how's it go? I'm going to dance like the weight has lifted. There's something about grace right there. Come on, someone help me. Grace is waiting. I'm going to dance like the weight that is upon me, the weight of sin, the weight of depression, the weight of anxiety, the fear that of something maybe you have to do, that I'm going to dance. Come on. I'm going to dance like grace is waiting. God's ability to help you in your time of need. In other words, if you'll just step out in faith and say, God, I'm going to approach you. And I don't even know that you're going to say yes. The answer might be no. It might be wait. But I'm going to tell you if I pray it according to your will. I have a word that says you are not a man that you should lie. Although, because we don't get a drive-through prayer service, we think that sometimes God has failed us. God's not failing you. The only thing standing between you and your answered prayer is time. If you prayed it according to God's will, he is already said yes. Remember the story in the Bible where the angels were warring to get the answer to man. There's a war going on in the spirit realm. But if you give up too early, the second you pray, the second you walk into that room and you say, God, here's what it is that I need. And it is according to his will. And it is in faith. He says, yes, angels are sent to perform the word of the Lord. By the way, don't go command and know angels. That's not your job. Don't say that Pastor Nicole said we could command angels. That's not your job. 
Angels are here to perform the word of and the plan of God. Not the word of men or the plan of men. It's executed by God. But here's what's happened. We pray with the prayer of faith. We are on fire when we pray it. And then the next day, we're talking to our girlfriend or, or to our friend or to the guy in the factory on the line next to us. And we're like, yeah, I don't know if God's going to do it. I'm not sure what's happening. I prayed it, but it's been 19 hours and four minutes. And here's what happens. The angels were in full force of performing God's word. And now they're going, well, I guess I'm going to have to sit here and wait. Lord, what you want me to do? And God's like, Double-minded man ain't going to get nothing from me. Just sit and wait. Let's not come back to where you are because he's going to pick up where he left off. I know it is. And then the next day, you got it. You're like, oh, I'm back on. I'm back on. Some of us are starting and stopping our prayers like this. James tells us that a double-minded man is not going to receive anything from God. Nothing are you going to receive from him. But if you will pray in faith and hold the line, hold the line. Nope, no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what the devil's telling me that I'm condemned and I'm guilty and I'm not worthy, that's a lie. That's not why God's not answering. He's accepted me just the way I am. He's working out all the kinks. He's going to take care of me. When you keep your hand right there and don't give up, you're going to get your prayer answered. You're going to get answered prayer, but, 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 here's what happens. When we live in this life right here, you know what this does? This makes the heart sick of a church. This makes the heart sick of a believer because you think that God's not answering prayer. And then the devil comes along and says, yeah, he's not a God that answers prayer anymore. That's Old Testament God. Yeah, he's the one that did the miracles back then, but miracles aren't for today. See, he starts sowing all these lies and the world starts feeding you the same lie. And you begin to believe these. And then before you know it, you come into your church. You're like, yeah, God don't answer prayer no more. Did you see them pray today? I don't even know that 21 days of prayer is going to matter. You, Ella said, that's what they say. That's not what the church of God says. That's not what the people of God say. The disciples of God say, no, he hears our prayer. In fact, his hand is not too short that he cannot move in our situation. That we believe when no one else is believing, church. When everyone else has lost their hope. When everyone else is being drawn to the gallows. We will believe and we will be proclaiming the name of Jesus until he comes. We don't give up. We don't back down. We're a church that prays. We're a church that talks with God. We're a church that believes he hears and he responds to you and I. Amen. Whew. Confidence. Go to James 5, 13. 5, 13 through 7. Look, now I get to turn to the one I wanted. It says, if anyone among you in trouble, let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. That sick person right there in the Bible means literally on their deathbed. 
So you can't use, well, they were emotionally sick. Stop trying to justify what you don't understand. There are going to be things in this life that you don't understand. I don't have all the answers, and neither will we. They're called mysteries of the Bible. And if you could literally put God in a tiny box in every single situation, then you would be able to outthink who he is. And you can't. He's never ending. He's never ending. You're never going to get to the end of him. You're never going to put him in a box and say, this is how God's going to respond every single time. The only thing you know is that God is not a man that he can lie. And that this word is what puts a boundary upon him. This word is what keeps him from coming and sending fire upon all of us. Because his, there's a better covenant. There's a better covenant now. Amen? The prayer offered in faith. Okay, i got to get back to my scripture. Will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sins, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Did you hear that? If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. It didn't say in four hours. It didn't say you must wait for the Lord to hold that to verify that it's really needed for forgiveness. It's not like the insurance. You know, they have that holding box. They're like, yeah, your mail's in the holding box. We got to wait four or five days for that to open up and clear. God's not waiting on your prayer of forgiveness to clear. He doesn't need it. It's faster than a digital world. It's a spiritual world. And the second you release the prayer, it's answered and said, yes, I forgive them. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. By the way, this is our small group model. Do you realize that in small groups? You get to sit with people and talk about the things in this class that you learn. And then you get to confess to one another where maybe you've fallen short. Maybe in your parenting or maybe in your marriage. Or maybe in the ability to understand healing in a new way. And then you confess it one to another and guess what happens? That whole small group begins to pray for you. They begin to support you. They begin to walk with you. They begin to love Jesus with you. This is where that small group model comes from. By the way, Jesus had the first small group ever. There was only 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Someone say powerful and effective. I don't know which one's more important. Powerful or effective? Because you could have powerful and it still not work. Or you could have effective and no power behind it. But it says powerful and effective. You and I are guaranteed that when we pray in faith, that God releases the answer. Now I'm going to just blow your mind here. Because I think that sometimes you and I question and we doubt whether we have received. First, I told you that you don't have to doubt that he hears you. But you don't have to doubt or question whether you receive what you pray. If you pray in confidence, if you pray in faith, he hears you and he is responding to you. And all the more importantly, if it's with the right motive and the will of the Lord. He does not say no. But, but here's what I ask. Here's what I ask. Have we put so much of our faith in our faith? That when we don't receive something, are we questioning if we had enough faith? Because when I read the scriptures... It doesn't say that I'm supposed to believe in my faith for the miracle to come. That I'm supposed to trust and to believe in my father. So here's the question. David, 
you've received an inheritance, okay? One of the options is Nicole Waters, and I'm going to tell you what you've inherited. You've inherited a house in Hawaii, 13 diamond rings, another gold nugget necklace. You like gold nugget necklaces, yeah, yeah? You got a gold nugget. Oh, oh, the hunting shop of the world is waiting for you, okay? Now, you can say yes to my inheritance because you know I've got the ability to deliver on that inheritance. Or you can be written into Elon Musk's will and he's going to give you a house in Hawaii, 13 diamond rings, a big hunting lodge and all the stuff that comes with it and a big gold nugget diamond necklace. Now, who are you going to place your bet on? Who? Elon Musk. Oh, oh, I see. I see how this goes. So David must know that the ring I'm wearing is a CZ, and it really isn't anything real. Uh, he must know that I don't own a home in Hawaii. See, here's what happens to you and I. When we pray, we put our belief in our faith to believe. And people will go, well, the reason you didn't receive is because you didn't have enough faith. Yet the Bible tells me that the faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. Are you and I guilty of putting so much faith in our faith and how big we've grown in our faith? And I've got much faith and you've got little faith. <laughs> or, or do we put our faith in the one who has the ability to grant the position? See, David had no value in this one's will. David's like, I know where you live and I know what you drive and it ain't none of those. And I know you don't have a house in Hawaii. That's why you're in Aruba 15 miles off the coast. You're not even on the beach. He understands what I own. He knows that I don't have the ability to grant what I'm telling him I'm going to grant. You and I, is it possible? that the church has read the word of God to gain faith. And because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word and hearing the word of God and hearing the word of God, that we've gotten so lost in our faith that we have forgotten the character of God and the ability is in his character to deliver the will. He's gonna deliver the promise. You've got the other people, oh, I'm hanging on to my promise. I'm hanging on to my promise. I'm going to tell you what. I'm not hanging on to the promise. I'm praying. I'm hanging on to the one who wrote the promise. I'm hanging on to the one who can grant the promise. I'm done looking at what I got in this because I'm going to tell you, all I do is mess it up. All he does is fix the mess. That's who he is. And when you and I come to him in prayer, when you and I come to this place and we're not evaluating whether we have enough faith, whether we're righteous enough, and we just say, Lord, here I am. I'm just trying to get through Monday. What do you want me to do? I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know how to get through it. Help me. It's simple. But is it possible that we complicate this so much that we can't even approach him boldly anymore? Because we feel so insignificant, because we haven't done enough, we haven't earned enough, we haven't prayed long enough, we ain't groveled enough, 
You know, I'm just not here at five in the morning praying for three hours. So if he ain't going to hear him, he definitely ain't hearing me. Stop. Stop. Last time I checked, I don't grant what my children ask because of how much time they spend with me. Lincoln blows in that door so fast and blows right out that door. I don't get, I squeeze him here like, oh, he's like, mom. I'm like, oh, shut up. I'm going to squeeze as long as I want. That doesn't mean he gets lunch today and the other two get duped. Do you see? Anyone who's a parent in here understands that you're looking at the heart of your child. You're looking at the motive of your child. My kid could be steeped in 100 pounds of sin. 100 pounds of sin. But if they said, Mom, I'm just doing my best to live life and I don't know how to get out of this hole. I'm still loving you. I'm still hugging you. I am wrapping my arms around you. And if you need your rent paid and you got a job and you're trying to make it, I'm going to pay your rent. Don't, I thought, where's Lincoln? I don't even know if she's in here. When you're paying that rent, you need to keep the job. By the way, that's our rule in our house. If you're in college for 20 hours or you have a job for, you got to have 40 hours of college or work and then I'll help you. You don't, you ain't getting no help. I don't mean that bad. You can find a job somewhere. That's for my kids. That's how it works. We signed contracts when they got 18. I asked Lincoln, can you live with this? He said, I guess. <laughs> and by the way, one of those was that if you're going to live like a devil, you, in our house, we still go to church on Sunday. And we're asking that everyone in our house go to church on Sunday because that's what this house does. But if you're going to live like a devil, don't go to church and act like you're living like a Christian. Live like a devil. And you wonder why I say to the church, be careful how you treat people. Be careful how you treat people. Because you know what? There's some people that are just coming. They're still in the house of God. And they're not living right. But they know that it's the right place to be. And they're wanting to get it right. There's just some things in the way between them and Jesus. And they're trying to get him out of the way first. But you and I know that's not how it works. Just come as you are. Just come as you are. God will clean it up as we go. And by the way, church, we don't get to choose which thing gets cleaned up first. You know, I was talking to Regina and Philip, and I don't think that's a, a story for another day, but Regina and Philip over at Kenton, there are Kenton pastors, and you know, they were living together when they got saved. They got saved, and they still living together. And Regina's like, that's not what God cleaned up first. He began cleaning up other things in our life first. But no one in the church looked at us and said, you're living together and you're going to sit. She said, but it was a matter of time that God began one thing at a time. See, he started dealing with the root issues of our heart before the living together part. And then the living part came off. Sometimes we look at addicts like this. We think that the very first thing that an addict should give up is the addiction. You know, the reason they're here is because they need help to get rid of the addiction. Sometimes they just might need to get away from the cussing and the friends first and start coming to church on Sunday and start being loved by some people that can walk them through the problem. Sometimes they just need a brother or sister to call them up and say, hey, I'm here, it's two in the morning, and if you're being tempted to drink, don't do it. Right? But again, we put God in the box saying this is the way he's got to take care of it. Because of the way he took care of it in your life. And we think the most blatant sins are the ones he should take care of first. Right? But yet we're allowed to walk around with hidden sins in our hearts all day long. 
Nobody sees them, so we think it's not a big deal. Here's the deal. I want to encourage us today, and I close with this. Here's my closing, closing argument. Oftentimes, I think that the devil has come to get us to think about how God is going to do the prayer. How is he going to answer it? When's he going to answer it? Why did this happen? If he's going to answer, maybe you're not worthy. And that's why the devil is in the details. The devil. I don't need to know how. I don't need to know why. I don't need to know when. And I don't need to know what if. What I need to know is who. Come on. This is where it's at. It's literally when Peter walks on the water. He's looking at the who. He's looking at Jesus. He's got his eye on the prize. And what does he do? Oh, well, what if this wind overtakes you? What if this wave starts to swallow you up? Why is Jesus asking you to come out here? Maybe he's drowning you out here. Like, we don't know the thought this went through Peter's mind, but here's what I know. As soon as he began to look at why, what, who, and the circumstances around what was happening, he began to sink. You and I, it was the prophecy that came forth. Keep your eye on him. Put your blinders on like a horse and don't look to the left, don't look to the right, but continue to walk straight ahead and look to the who that can grant your request. And that's the truth of where you and I are with prayer. And it's no longer that we have to walk quietly, gingerly before the Lord because we are afraid that we might not be accepted. Hey, Lord. This is what I did. And I said it, and I'm sorry I said it. I was so mean to that sister. I had just had it up to here. And I told her exactly what I thought. And then the Holy Spirit unctioned my heart. And he was probably unctioning me in the middle of the conversation when I was being mean and I was being nasty. But I didn't listen. And I'm sorry. I don't want to be that person. Forgive me. Forgive me that I wasn't Christ-like in today's action. Forgive me, God. That's it. Now, I got to talk to you about something else. I really got a problem. And just begin to share. He doesn't need eloquent words. He just needs you to know who you are. And you are his child. You are the sons and the daughter of God. No matter what the world tells you, no matter what your spouse tells you. Some of us have spouses that tell you evil things about yourself. Don't believe that. And by the way, don't return evil for evil. You tell them everything they are in God. And you begin to teach them how God thinks about them. Church, you and I need to believe in the character of God. I don't know where my team's at. Come on in, music team. You and I need to begin to believe in the prayer of the faith. Pray in faith and believe in the nature and the character of our God to answer that prayer. Hebrews 4.16 is your scripture for this week. The prayers, the fervent prayers, and I used King James on that. The fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. They're powerful and they're effective. And your righteousness is one ask away. One ask away.
stand to your feet this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like today that there's maybe, and I, I hate to do this publicly because I don't want to bring anyone any more shame or condemnation. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward. And maybe that's the way that you want to do it today. But I want to talk to you about reestablishing your prayer. That maybe there's some of you that have felt unworthy to pray. Maybe the reason you didn't join 21 days of prayer is because you felt unrighteous and unworthy in what that was. And maybe your unrighteousness, I'm going to be honest with you, it's not the fear of sin or there's this blatant sin in your life, but there's this resistance that you have the spiritual disease that you can't see yourself the way Jesus sees you. You can't see yourself through the eyes of Christ. See, every time God looks at you, he doesn't see your past or your sin. He literally sees the blood of Jesus. And that's his filter he looks through. I feel like today, maybe there might be some people here that just say, you know, Pastor Nicole, that was who I am. That, that, you're speaking right up my, my alley. And I, I have a struggle for getting what I've done because you just don't understand. I don't need to understand. God understands. He knows and he's made the way. He's telling you, you don't need to approach him like slaves. You don't have to be fearful that he's not going to accept you and say, this isn't your house. Get out because you're a slave. You're my child. You're welcome. Anything you need, would you ask? If that's you today, I want to specifically lay hands on you. Specifically. Because I don't believe God brought this message without the anointing to break that off of your life. In this service, right here, right now. And then there's the sinner. Maybe you're the sinner under the sound of my voice or the backslidden Christian today. And you're like, Pastor Nicole, I've been away from prayer so long that I don't trust that I'm being heard. If you've been doing evil, he's not. He's not responding to your prayers. He's not. It says that he turns his face from evil. So I ask you just to come today. We're gonna pray the prayer of repentance with you. You're gonna be a born again believer and you're going to be a child of the most high God. So supersedes any earthly father any earthly mother's role. Because see, our earthly parents are one day gonna pass away and leave us. But our heavenly father will never, will never. In fact, when I pass away, he'll be there to meet me and there to walk me through heaven's door. I want you to be able to say that today. I want you to have that assurance that if you leave this place today and God forbid an accident happen, that you would know because of Pastor Nicole's message and because I accepted Christ as my savior today, I beckoned to that call. I heard the call and I answered. If that's you today, we're here for you. Father, we lift up our hands today. Right now, we close our eyes, every high closed, every head bowed.
Now, Father, right now, if there be anyone in this house, anyone in this house today, Father, that needs prayer, Father, in the place of an unrighteous position with you, Father, that they've resisted this relationship with you because of this guilt and this shame and them condemnation, Father, we... Out of respect, we close our eyes, Father, and we bow our heads, God, to give them ways to get down here, to give them time to get to your altar. Father, if there be a sinner in the house, Father, someone who needs to know Jesus, Father, a backslider that's been raised in the church who's running from you, God, we call them forward right now in the name of Jesus. We release that bondage, that blindness right now in the name of Jesus that's trying to hold them from coming forward. Father, we call them out right now in the name of Jesus. Father, knowing that there is grace in this house. Your grace is sufficient. Father, there's mercy here at the cross. Father, for we all have been here once. We've all received this beautiful grace and mercy. And we say thank you, Father. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you increase, you increase our ability to hang on, Father, for these 21 days. Father, that we would persevere we would persevere with our prayer request, that we would continue to ask, seek, and knock, Father, and petition the great almighty God for the things that we know are according to your will. Father, I thank you, Lord, that anything that we have need of, you said that if we would ask it, you would give it. Now, Father, we thank you, and we receive these things. We consider them done in your name. Father, I thank you that we receive praises, Father, testimonies of where God's come through and he's met this church, Father, in the midst of our need. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Everyone under the sound of my voice, we love you. We will see you not tonight, but tomorrow night for prayer. Again, continuing through Saturday. 21 days, you're almost there. Those of you fasting full food, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you. And the strength of the Lord be with you, for he knows that you are not doing this of your own will, but because he's asked you. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you would be with us as we go. Give us traveling mercies, traveling mercies as we go today, Lord. Show us your will and let us work towards that will and that purpose and that plan today and the rest of this week. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Church, we will see you Monday night for prayer. I love you. Uh,